I'm Kevin Clark. This is football. Bill Belichick begins his biggest coaching month in 20 years. I'll explain that in a second. A little later on, we'll be joined by Jarrett Payton and Brooke Pryor to do guarantees, which will be our weekly look at the games ahead. Um, Amazing. We're already at week one. I just, it felt like May, like a minute ago. Um, and before that, we're going to do Badasses with Jared Payton, who obviously played at the University of Miami, played for the Titans, son of Walter Payton, been around football his entire life. He did Ed Reed and Sean Taylor from the U days, and you will not be disappointed by either of the stories he tells in Badasses. At the end, we have Statue of Limitations Theater. He tells a story about being golfing with sweetness and George H.W. Bush. Really enjoyed that. In between, we get hardcore football talk. Um, Bill Belichick has the following four teams on the docket, weeks one through four. Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys. I don't see an easy one in there. It gets easier in October, Saints, Raiders, stuff like that, but that doesn't really help him very much. There's an old line in coaching that every coach is 30 days away from bankruptcy. I saw John John Calipari say it a couple of years ago when talking about the Louisville situation where things went south pretty quickly. Uh, It's a riff on the old political line that, Every civilization is nine meals away from, or nine missed meals away from anarchy. Um, Things can change very quickly. I'd say that about 20 coaches are 16 football quarters away from the hot seat. Um, I'd say there's a handful that could go years without being on the hot seat. And then there's a bunch of guys in the middle. Say Bill Belichick's about 40 quarters away from being on the hot seat. But make no mistake, he's not untouchable. Um, Robert Kraft is not going to sit there forever and let this become a disaster. Um, Bill Belichick is the best football coach who's ever lived. Hiring Matt Patricia as offensive coordinator along with Joe Judge was the stupidest thing he's ever done. Um, This is a guy who had eight straight with Tom Brady, eight straight conference championship games, eight straight 12 or more winning seasons. I personally don't see a path towards another 12-win season, or a conference championship. This is a division that is as stacked as any he's played in when you look at the quarterbacks and situations. By the way, I count the Patriots as being a part of that stacked division. They have a great defense. Mac Jones can only be improved with Bill O'Brien. But you look at the history of Bill Belichick. Wins the Super Bowl after the 01 season. In 2002, he has a disastrous season, which he has documented he has learned a ton of lessons from. But once he wins that second Super Bowl, He becomes basically untouchable. So he has not had a month like this where everybody is looking at him and saying, you better do something, buddy, in 20 years. I'm intrigued to see it. I think he'll get out of it, especially when you consider October, November, December. But he's never had stakes like this. And I think I think there's been this weird thing where everybody says, you can't put Bill Bill Belichick in the hot seat. You can't do it. He above 24 years of the best coach we've ever seen. You can't do it. Has anyone told Robert Kraft that? I wouldn't personally do it. I wouldn't make up a little list and say, ah, oh, yeah, he's going to be on the hot seat. Has anyone told Robert Kraft you're not allowed to put him on the hot seat? It's a good question to ask. All right, let's get to badasses. All right, Jared Payton, it's time for our favorite segment. We got two. When we have time, we want to do both. We're going to start with badasses, which if you didn't listen to the Eli Manning episode where he shouted out Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw, uh, it's the most badass person you ever played with. That could mean anything and it means different things to different people it doesn't matter Jared payton miami hurricane tennessee titan been around the bears his entire life give me your badass man there's so many to be honest with you that i could i can go through the line i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with miami and one that everybody probably knows but 
um, I was torn between two safeties that I had a chance to play with at the U and that was Ed Reed and Sean Taylor. And I'm going to side with Sean on this one. Not that, that, uh, that Ed's not a BA, but yeah, Sean, Sean was, was built different, man. I, I got a chance to have my locker next to him, my fifth year, my last year at Miami. And I mean, it looked like he was chiseled out of rock and <laughs> just, he literally had like no concern for his body at all. He would run through a wall and would just try to separate guys from the football and being on the sidelines. It was hard. There was only a few players in college that I got up to like, go see Michael Vick was one of them. Like when I was on the <laughs> sidelines, like, Oh, I got to go see Vic. And it was like that with Sean and being on my team, I would get up, have Gatorade in my hand and just watch him take over games. And my first start against Florida state, which helped me out a lot because I had a, a touchdown in that game. I rushed for almost a hundred yards, but he was the big reason why we won that game, man. He was all over the place. And it's rare that you see a safety take over a football game and literally win you a football game. Sean Taylor is the most BA guy I've ever seen. And, just go back to that Pro Bowl when uh, you know you're supposed to be playing like <laughs> touch. Yeah, Sean. Sean only had one speed, and it was amazing and a pleasure to be his teammate. Tell me something people don't know about the way he played because I think everybody's now heard you mentioned Ed Reed. There's been a lot of stories about how he played in the NFL and how he read quarterback sized and all that stuff. But but Sean throwing his body at guys, um, the way he prepared, the way he just was so instinctive. Like what don't we know about about Sean Taylor? how quiet he was. I mean, mm. I think that's the one thing. I mean, you you always see how violent he played the game of football. Um, he had a big, huge heart. I think it was just his, the way that he prepared was he made sure that everybody was locked in. And the way that he went about it, sitting and watching film, everybody had to watch film as well with him. I'll never forget this moment, though. I think we lost to Tennessee my last year mm -hmm. at, at the at the Orange Bowl. And it was really because of the offense. Like we couldn't create anything on offense. Defense is doing their their job. And I remember the story that he he kind of like walked into the meeting room where everybody was and was like, yo, everybody out, let's go. Like, we're out of here. Coach is like, whoa, we're watching the film. He's like, we don't need to watch film. They came, they left. And I guess they came back. The story is they came back later that night and sat and watched film for like a couple of hours, just them without the coaches there. And I mean, that's what you want out of a leader. I know it's not always cool to be able to grab guys out of meetings, but he was like, yo, we need to decompress a little bit. We got this and we can handle this. And they did. He had a control of that defense and those guys in the DB room and unbelievable flip side though, to Ed Reed, one of the coolest stories of my life. I remember going to his crib Marble floors down in, in Biscayne Bay, like cooling out, hanging out. He's in the league. I'm still in college and go up to he had one of those old big, huge TVs and had like one of those old CD trays that were standing up on the side of the TV. And I remember we were going out that night and I flipped on the TV and it was all static. And like, bro, you don't have cable like you're in the league. You got money. You don't got cable. He's like, I don't I don't watch TV. And then I looked over at the CDs on the side and it was all cut-ups of, like, wow. different quarterbacks, right? Like Manning, Brady, like, in down in distances. And it was like, holy cow. So the great ones, Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, they prepared themselves 
for those moments. They were athletic as can be. They were going to go out there and play the best football they can, but they studied so hard that they just let their athleticism take over in the game and be able to react and not think as much. And I think that's what made both of those guys great. Oh, my God. Um, that's amazing. That's badass. We're going to put both those guys. Listen, as a Miami guy, I wanted to put both of them on the cork board to begin with. The only Miami thing I have back there is uh, because my printer wasn't working is uh, the media guide photo from 1992 of Mario Cristobal. It's right back there. He's going to leave. There you go. There we go. Boom. So Ed Reed and uh, Ed Reed and Sean Taylor will be on the board there uh, going forward in, in the future. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Brooke Pryor, Steelers writer for ESPN. Jared Payton, 
host of GN Sports and lead anchor at WGN. What's going on, Jarrett? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? What's up, Brooke? How's it going? I cannot complain. I'm pumped that uh, we have football happening. Well, I mean, we have football happening, but we also just talked ACC football for the past five minutes, which is the bleakest thing on the planet. It's Listen, it's it's. are we talking old ACC or new ACC, though? Because, there, what, like, what's better? Listen. Uh, the Duke old logo is the Clemson. best. I'll tell you what. I put take me back to Miami back in the Big East and I'll be okay. Yes. I mean, I, right now with that. with all of the realignment, it's kind of crazy. And to see what Florida State is doing right now yeah. definitely makes my heart hurt. I completely agree. We're going to put that off to the side because I'm just a neutral NFL journalist. I have no biases towards Miami against Florida State. doesn't matter. I'm just a guy calling it as I see it. Okay, so we're going to do a couple of things. Our first preview show. Um, reason you both are here. One is that Steelers are playing the Niners in a big game with two teams with different expectations. And I feel like there's a litmus test happening on Sunday. Jarrett, Justin Fields versus Jordan Love feels like the emotional, I don't even know what you would call it, there's going to be such emotions coming out of it on Sunday because both fan bases have built up their quarterback and in different ways. Um, and I want to start here, Jarrett. Uh, if if the Packers beat the Bears and another quarterback, a third consecutive quarterback, and I don't want to say anything as far as finality goes, but another one seems to have the upper hand in the Bears franchise this could be the saddest Sunday in a long time, right? I mean, I want to get to the positivity part about it, but like the emotional stakes are pretty high, right, Jarrett? Yes, here in Chicago, it, that's all it comes down to. I mean, people, it's only right that the Bears kick off the season against that team from Wisconsin uh, during the, the week. <laughs> during the week that we play this game, I don't even use the P word just because on any of my newscasts, it just doesn't happen. But yeah, to go through Brett Favre and then next to Aaron Rodgers, now to Jordan Love, I think Bears fans are are hoping, are hoping that the tide is going to change. And that is this is the the new time for the new kings of the north. And that's what Justin Fields and, and fans here in Chicago are hoping for. If this doesn't go the way that Bears fans wanted to and they get the dub. I don't even want to see what's going to happen in Chicago. Everybody is banking on winning this game. And, you know, definitely now looking at with the the injuries at receiver and with mm -hmm. uh, it, never know what can happen for, for Jordan Love. But I've been on the side of saying that I'm not counting that young man out. I, I really not. He can spend the football. He's had the chance to be able to sit behind Aaron Rodgers and watch for a little bit. To me, if it happens, it would only be like that scripted theater that, Bears fans aren't hoping for that they have another quarterback that they have to contend with. I mean, if if the Bears get dominated by another quarterback, then everyone's just going to move with the White Sox down to Nashville. Like the city might have to <laughs> shut down. Like it might be over. Um, Brooke, big picture question. So everybody keeps talking about the Steelers as sleepers. I, I, I'm a. I'm not seeing them as sleepers. They're always good. B. At some point, they become such buzzy sleepers that they become somehow overrated in the context of of sleeping. They, they become awake, you might say. Uh, yeah. When I think about a sleeper, I think about like the Falcons are a sleeper. They are a sleeper. Uh, th that 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 they that used to be bad to me. Right. The Steelers have never been bad. They've never had a losing no. season under Mike Tomlin. I don't know if you've heard that before. Um, <laughs> look, that's the thing. I, I don't think that a team with as much tradition and as much of a blue blood as the Steelers are can ever be a sleeper. 
I also have personally, I don't buy into that narrative. Just looking at this team by itself, uh, take out of the context of the, the historic greatness that this franchise has had. I have been high on this team since this summer. Um, I look at the roster they have. I look at what I've seen George Pickens do every single day at practice. This guy is, he is properly rated. I would not say Mm -hmm. he's overrated. If anything, maybe he's underrated because Mm. we only see a handful of the viral plays that happen, right? Um, Even fewer because media are not allowed to film anything uh, at some of the training camp practices or during uh, actual practices. But I can tell you this guy is as impressive as he appears to be. And this roster is loaded. I mean, again, I don't think that you can tell me that a team with TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward is a sleeper. Like nobody, nobody else in the NFL is sleeping on this team. Maybe externally the narrative is that they're sleeping because they're in a division with other guys that get a lot of headlines. But I don't think that any team in the NFL that's facing the Steelers this year is like, Oh, well, you know, maybe maybe they'll wake up in time for kickoff. Like, no. I would. Has anyone asked Mike Tomlin about them being underrated, and he gave it gave a Tomlinism? Has that happened yet? Uh, no. But my favorite this week was a news reporter said, "What do you tell your family and friends who talk <laughs> to you about how much hype you're getting?" And he said, "I do not care." Like that's <laughs> I saw my, that. <laughs> my favorite Tomlinism. We do not care. Which, first of all. I don't know why you would ask Mike Tomlin what he says to his friends and family. Also, why you would think that friends and family are like, so Mike, like, how you feeling? You feel good about this year? You, you think you guys are getting too much hype? No one. Kia Tomlin is not asking Mike that before they go to bed. That's that's not happening. All right. So we're going to do something called guarantees, which is three guarantees from each of you about the game at hand the league at large that's going to happen on Sunday and then a wild card. Um, we'll start with you, Jared, the number one guarantee, the Jarrett Payton lead pipe block for bears Packers. What's going to, what's something that's going to happen. doesn't have to be a win loss, but just something we know, you know, is absolutely going to happen. Absolutely going to happen in the bears game. Oh, I just said it. Oh no. I just said it. That's bad. Oh no. I, I, I haven't, oh no. I haven't said it all week. WGN is sending HR representatives to your house. They're going to collect your stuff. Can we bleep it after the fact? Hopefully, hopefully it's all good in the game. I believe that DJ Moore is going to have over a hundred yards and a touchdown in week one. That's what I'm going with. Lock it down. I mean, the two times that he got a chance to be able to touch the ball in the preseason, I mean, yak yards. Yep. It's different. We haven't had a guy like that here in Chicago since maybe Brandon Marshall or Elshon Jeffrey, but a guy that has that yak yard capabilities and also can take it to the house, and do what he needs to do. I think he's going to be a great weapon for Justin Fields week one. Is there an expectation? It was funny because RG3 was on the show Wednesday. I get, I get the days wrong. Um, a new, new schedule, um, new employer. Um, RG3 was on the show on Wednesday and said that the reason he thinks Justin Fields will have a Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen style leap this year is because of the number one receiver, that being DJ Moore. Is that the expectation internally in Chicago that like this is actually that all just not all obviously need to take leaps as a passer and, and all that stuff, but that, that this that DJ Moore is actually schematically the game-changing guy that's going to get them on that level, Jarrett? 
I definitely think so. I mean, if you, you know, kind of go through and my notes of, of training camp, he was the most reliable receiver for him where he felt comfortable. And I think one of the things that we saw with Justin even last year was still as a young quarterback trying to fit the ball into tight spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Where you don't want to turn the ball over. And I think with DJ, he gives you that feeling of even when he's not open, he's open. And I think that's where Justin kind of has that 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 comfort level in him. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to the offensive line, though, the most. Mm. Can they find a way with all the injuries that they've had going into this even season, Tevin Jenkins being injured and now having to move Cody Whitehair to guard and Lucas Patrick being the center? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there. Darnell Wright, a rookie on at the right tackle. So th there's there's a lot there. If they can find a way to to and, and to me it comes down to to uh Luke Getze as well as mm -hmm. much as Justin Fields is like on center stage right now to figure this thing out how this offense is going to be called and how Luke Getze puts Justin Fields in situations to be successful to me is also something to watch as well it's going to go hand in hand but having DJ Moore definitely is going to make it a lot easier for Justin to be successful is there a mechanical thing that you know Justin Fields has to fix in order to be uh, in order to be successful? Doesn't have to be necessarily I, some throwing mechanics thing, but there's just well, is there something you say okay he's got to fix this on week one? I I think we always we've seen and if you watch videos watch games he can throw the deep ball. To me, it's the intermediate throws as well that he's got to and the short throws, the checkdowns, the easy throws, the gimmies. He's got to be able to take advantage of those and. Even on those throws that you you see uh, to DJ Moore in the preseason, uh, the wide receiver screen, ball was down low. He had to go get it, not right here where it needs to be. The other long pass that he had, had DJ Moore right up the middle, he turned around, ball was low, DJ had to go down. It's the, the easy throws, being more accurate. If he can find out a way to do that, um, I think the sky's the limit. But those are the throws that I saw at Ohio State, and I'm hoping that they can translate over here into Chicago because that's what the Bears need. They need those long throws, but they also need them to be accurate in those short to intermediate throws. I just did Mark Titus's show. He went to Ohio State. He was saying that if Ohio State fans watch the Bears and they're just like, what he used to be amazing at throwing and barely like obviously could run, but like he's almost the opposite of what he was at Ohio State. Everybody seems very confused if, if they watch college football, but what are you going to do? You know, who's not confused, Brooke Pryor. Anybody who watched Kenny Pickett at Pitt because he's doing the same stuff. Um, Let's start with your guarantee before we get into Pickett and what, what happens here. Um, what's your number one guarantee for this, this night Steelers Niners game? So it's funny because I am also going with a wide receiver guarantee. Uh, my guarantee is that Deontay Johnson scores a touchdown, which is Ooh. only wild because he didn't have a single one last year, like, <laughs> which We're gonna scheme it up. blows my mind. Uh, yeah. I, I, this is not a guarantee, but this is my bold take of my guarantee. I think he gets a touchdown on the first drive. Mm. I think they Ooh. they get him going early. It's a way for him to feel like I'm fully going to shake off last year. You know, he said 500 times that, you know, last year is last year. But, like, if you're Deontay Johnson, I'm sure that's still weighing in the back of your mind that, you know, you had a pretty decent preseason training camp, everything a year ago. Juju Smith-Schuster has finally gone. You are the guy, and you don't score a touchdown all year. Like, what happened? And I think – that the inclusion of George Pickens and they add Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin the third is healthy again. I think that frees things up for Deontay Johnson, and I think he scores. Uh, 
how do each of you feel about the Chase Claypool trade? <laughs> I just thought about that. Like, I mean, that, <laughs> I, the, the, uh, that is going in opposite directions. I mean, like, Jared, is, do people still feel, I mean, obviously, after last draft getting that haul, like, Ryan Poles, Chicago does feel like he's rolling in the right direction, right? Even with the Claypool trade? Yes, I, I have no doubts in what Ryan Poles is doing. And at the time, Brooke, I was super, I was kind of excited. I didn't know what oh. to expect, but there were some certain things where this is a big season for Chase Claypool. He is yeah. making it or break it for him. And I'm always rooting for him. It just, the the little minute amount of time that he had last season, it wasn't what Bears fans were hoping for. And I kind of stepped back a little bit and I, I didn't think he was a number one. I just needed him to be kind of like a, a number two or especially down with the big body frame. When you see this young man, like see him, he does. When you look at and you create a player on like Madden or something as your wide receiver, like that's what you create like him. And I just want him to understand his abilities, understand this offense a little bit more. But the issue was he hasn't been on the field at, at all this, this, this training camp. And so like, that's been the issue here. Can he stay healthy? Cause your best available, your best ability is to be mm -hmm. available for this team. And he hasn't been able to do that. I will say uh, one of his biggest issues in Pittsburgh was not staying on his feet when he tried to catch the mm -hmm. ball. Uh, that was a frequent issue. And, <laughs> It is incredible you know, issue, by the way. Incredible issue. Just hold up. Oh. Hey, Brooke, Brooke, hold up. As uh, There's another issue. You're that big. And when it's what you're supposed to do, especially going up and getting jump balls, like get it at its highest point mm -hmm. when you're that tall and you got DBs that are smaller than you. It's like he, he'll go up and the arms will stay right here. And I'm going, what? T-Rex arms. Yeah. Like what is going on here? This makes no sense you should be mossing people all the time <laughs> you don't see it i he the, the his opportunity to now not having that feeling of where bears fans were hoping he was a number one now he slides into that position if he can get onto the field where he doesn't have to be the number one number two he can be the number three if he wants to darnell mooney i think is going to take over that spot as number two can he be a number three? Hopefully that pressure, when he does get back on the field, gets back off him a little bit. He could focus a little bit, take advantage of his opportunities. Wow. I think you really hit on something there with the pressure. I think that he felt a lot of that in Pittsburgh. He had such a great rookie season, mm -hmm. and then it just didn't continue. And I think that he felt like it should, and just things things were not clicking for him on the field. He got frustrated. He was frustrated in the offense. One of the biggest reasons that the Steelers were better in the second half of the year and went from two and six to seven and two after the bye was the Chase Claypool trade. And that was an addition mm -hmm. by subtraction because you take that guy out of the locker room, a guy that was vocally frustrated after games, you know, why am I not throwing, why are you not throwing the go ball? Well, because when you did, you didn't catch her. There was an interception when you should have had it. Um, but I, I think that for the Steelers, they had a lot of internal discord and a lot of that was from the frustration of Claypool. And I think that that one trade to me, when you look back at the totality of the Steelers season and where they are right now, that was kind of the point at which Omar Khan said, I'm the GM of this team. Look at me. I'm the captain now kind of thing. <laughs> and he really, he took over. And now yeah. they have just been wheeling and dealing and they're in a position now where 
they were able to get Joey Porter Jr. with that pick. He's not going to start at corner, but I think he's going to play a fair amount. They're able to trade up, get Broderick Jones. So that one trade kind of set in motion for this team to be, I think, in a really good position to make some noise in the in the AFC and and go back to the playoffs. I'm sure Bears fans are thrilled to hear that the turning point in the franchise was uh, was trading Chase Claypool for a second round pick. Um, all right, second guarantee, Jarrett. Something that's going to happen around the league on Sunday. Oh, on Sunday. Mm. Can I pick a game? Sure. Pick, like on Sunday, I have. I don't know. I I'm, I no clue. I already I already had my big take, but that that's actually happening tonight. So. That's oh what, yeah, that's, that's that's all I had. I had, I have Detroit beating KC tonight. So let's talk um, about the Lions real quick. And I know that this is going to become dated because it's on Sunday. But like, is NFC should 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 the Lions be the favorite in the NFC North? As of right now, yes, I'll give I'll give it to them. I mean that right now that's what everybody is talking about, and rightfully so. Dan Campbell has got those guys biting kneecaps and all that stuff in Detroit. They're, they're believing in themselves. And so I don't know, I'm just going to play it off for right now and hold on. But I think let's just see, I think it's wide open, but if tonight, if something happens on Thursday night and the lions beat KC, the every, anything is up in the air, man. I think now everybody will be trailing what the lions are doing. So I know people are seeing this after Sunday. Yeah. So here's the thing. NFC, the NFC North, again, someone's asked me the other day, why Justin Fields has so many haters? I think part of it is the NFC North, every team, especially this offseason, has a leg to stand on in winning the division. And so all of their fans and media and even players are just being complete psychos to each other because they're trying to prop up their own team. It's a little bit like college football, right? Where it's like the SEC, where it's like, all right, South Carolina thinks they're going to be good this year. They weren't. Uh, you know, Tennessee thinks that they're a program on the rise and it just all ends up. Everybody just screams at each other and says they're the best. Like the NFC North discourse is unbelievable to me. Brooke, give me someone's going to happen around the league on Sunday. Uh, going off of college football uh, makes me think of Jonathan Gannon's move to not <laughs> announce a starting quarterback for competitive advantage, which leads me to my guarantee. And that's that an Arizona quarterback, it doesn't matter who it is, is going to throw multiple interceptions on Sunday. That's my guarantee. I have come around on this. I think Jonathan Gannon is unintentionally, excuse me, intentionally being hilarious. Like I think that the all the way to go for a no (laughs) starting with the the video, the do 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 that thing right into uh, everything he said. He named Kyler a team captain, which is hilarious given his role in the organization. He um, won't name a starter between Clayton Toon and Josh Dobbs for competitive reasons when every other coach is doing it. I think he understands how funny this all looks and he's just doing it to screw with us like that. That's it. I think he's being a gigantic troll. There's no way Jonathan Gannon is that much of a hard out. And if he is, I'm happy to be wrong. If he's Matt Patricia 2.0. That's one thing. But I think he's actually just he's Norm McDonald intentionally bombing at the roast, reading off of cue cards. That's where I'm at right now with Jonathan Gannon. Kev, I got one. I got my guarantee. I'm going to be a total homer on this one, man. I got to be. The Bears beat the Packers for the first time since 2018. Oh, we're doing it's it. Been, it's been a long time. It's been it's been How a long 22? time. Yeah, it's a long time. That is a while. I, I know. It's going to happen down by the lakefront on Sunday. It's going to happen. I can't tell you what the rest of the season is going to look like, but I know they're going to get the dub on Sunday and – 
Bears fans are going to go crazy. So stay away from the bean in Chicago uh, late on Sunday because it's going to be crazy. What the hell are they going to do? The bean is the most overrated thing in Chicago. It's just a bean. What do they yeah, do after like the photo. Bears win? Do they like decorate they the bean? They go to the bean. They, they should. They should roll it. They should roll like Tumor's Corner. Say it's that's how little cool. they win that I didn't know they went to the bean. I well, it's right so by sorry. the stadium. It's not right by the it's stadium, but it's right like probably like a thir- 25 minute walk, something like that. Yeah, 20 minute walk. Yeah, it's you just get a beer, get a couple beers, case, yeah, walk over to the bean, just lean up against it, take bean. some Instagram. Yeah. Everybody should jump in the lake. Real, if you're going to be a fan, be a fan, plunge all season every yes. time the Bears win. I love that. We got to do that. That's a great idea. Is there access to Lakeshore Drive right there? Is it easy to get to the lake from the stadium? No. Probably no. not. I mean, yeah, you, you can. There's there's boats I and mean, stuff down there. You, you might get arrested, but yeah. If you're I mean, dedicated enough. Worth it. Yeah, worth it, it might be worth it. Um, before we do a little bit of a wild card, uh, Brooke, last thing. You got any more? You got you got your got a got a a wild card uh guarantee? Anything at all? Anything at all? Tom Onisms? My my wild card guarantee is that we are going to have between five and ten sideline shots of Trey Lance during Cowboys Giants. <laughs> I think I think we're going to see a lot of Trey Lance. Any anytime Dak makes makes a bad play for at least the first half, just straight camera onto Trey Lance. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to. I hate the Dak discourse. I think it's so oh, unfair to yeah. Dak and to Trey Lance. But I just enjoy the kind of. Sunday afternoon, big Cowboys game, and here's the storyline that is swallowing the world. Yeah, the backup um, quarterback storyline. Oh, it's can't else. get enough. It's something oh, else. Can I make it? Can I make it interesting then? Please. Um, maybe I'll I'll say this: Dak throws more interceptions than he did last season, which makes that which makes the the just going to Trey Lance yeah. even more weird as the season goes on. So. A couple of things about that. Number one, 15 interceptions. I did my open on this last episode. 15 interceptions is bad, but I don't necessarily think it's some referendum on his career. Like Stafford no. had 17 the year he won the Super Bowl. A um, bunch of guys had 15 in 2021. Like, yeah, Burrow and Mahomes had 12 last year. Guys throw picks. I think it's going to be interesting because you know this year. Like, the problem with the Cowboys is that nobody is more in tune with what media and fans are saying than the Cowboys because Jerry Jones reads it all and sees it all. Like everybody's talking about Coach Prime calling out reporters and, and reading everything and talking about Ed Warder and stuff. You know who we learned reading everything and commenting on it from? Jerry freaking Jones. Like that's his thing. And so the problem is not are the interceptions going to hurt the Cowboys? I mean, they will, but like are they, are they going to hurt them to the point they can't compete? The problem is what happens up top with the Cowboys, if there's another, if there's a narrative that Dak is playing poorly, I think that is mm-hmm. the thing to to con, uh, to concern yourself with. But I also think they're going to go to Cooper Rush before they'll go to Trey Lance. I think. I think. Yeah. I That's know. a bold take. That's. <sighs> I am just so, so in. Yeah, I, I'm just so intrigued. Nobody cares more about the court of public opinion than Jerry Jones. That's right. And I think that that is just because of that. I think they'll go to Trey Lance first mm. because that's what people are going to be calling for. I I think so because mm. Trey Lance has, I guess, better pedigree as a first round pick. Although I don't know how much North Dakota State should factor into that pedigree, <laughs> but I I think that I think that people are going to be calling for Trey Lance before they call for Cooper Rush, and that's going to pull some strings. I was listening to the Athletic podcast around the Cowboys, the beat writers. Um, 
and I forget what it's called, but it's a good, it's a good Cowboys podcast. And uh, they were like, oh, well, I think part of this is they wanted the scouting department wanted Jerry to get a win because he really liked Trey Lance. That's why they made their trade. And it's like, get a win. He owns the team. He's a billionaire. <laughs> we got to throw him. We got to throw him a bone with using a fourth round pick. What is happening here? They're just a weird organization. That's part of the problem where it's like, People confuse weird with bad. Like they make the playoffs a bunch. Like Mike McCarthy's a pretty good coach. The problem is they do weird ass stuff and you yes. hear these and every, also everything leaks. So you hear that Connor Cook was ahead of Dak Prescott on their board or that Jerry Jones was obsessed with Paxton Lynch or that Jerry Jones was desperate to turn in the card uh, for Johnny Manziel and they took the card <laughs> away from him. The problem is that like, I think there's a lot of weird organizations, but the problem is a Jerry runs the weirdest and B everything immediately leaks. Oh, that, that no organization is more porous than the Cowboys, which is it's great. It's like it's a living Reddit thread, and I love I mean, it. I remember. I mean, Jared, you played in the league, and, and you played at Miami. Like, if, if you ever went into the Cowboys facility, the media access there, it'll be like you'll walk through. I remember Derek when Derek Dooley was a receivers coach, and you walk if you walk past the coaches, you, you know this broke. Like, you can't really just grab him and just start interviewing. In Dallas, you just look around the corner, and it's like this guy's talking to four reporters, and it's like, what the hell? It's open. It's literally open season throughout the facility. Jerry Jones is in love with the media. The media loves him back, and that gets reflected onto the product. Frankly, how, how crazy would it be if the season for the Cowboys just goes? totally south the next thing you know that guy that you were talking about kev before jerry gets on the phone and just calls up dion is like hey i need you need I mean, you a big i need you a big d we're making a change <laughs> i love that i, love I think that. i i, I oh jerry God. i'm thinking i'm thinking about jerry's uh coaching hot board here right it's like prime probably jace you're probably going to call jason garrett again just because he loves him so much and then, like, probably Lincoln maybe makes a call to Lincoln Riley if he has success. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I that you almost I pick the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl, but you almost wish it goes south just to see what Jerry does. I know. I don't it's know. So, it's so hard for me though, man, because I love Dak. He just he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award of last year, and so I, he's he's an awesome dude, and I love him to death. And I just know how hard it has to be to be in Dallas and under all that pressure being the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. It's, it's gotta be tough, man. So yeah. I wish him nothing but the best of luck, but I know it's going to, it's always going to be tough. He's always going to be scrutinized. You wish him all the best, but you also think coach prime is coming to Dallas this time next year. I got gotcha. you. you. I got gotcha. you. You never know, but can you imagine him and Jerry Jones together? Like, the meal. Oh my goodness. Yes, I can. Content. Yes, I can. The nonstop content. Oh, sign me up. Uh, Jared Payton, Brooke Pryor, thank you so much for coming on. This is football. We'll see you soon. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Give me a story you can tell now that for whatever reason, whether it's NFL, whether it's the U, whether it's being around the Bears you couldn't before, could be funny, could be uh, sad, doesn't matter. 
let's give me your best story. You just got to get off your chest. Well, honestly, I'm be, I got to be honest with you. There's a lot of stuff from the U that I can't, I can't talk <laughs> about. Like I might get in trouble. Um, and I'm married now, so there's definitely no way that I could like go about that. But I do have a cool story that you don't hear. And it, it has to do with my pops. And I was thinking about this just because, I mean, I the, all the cool stories in the world were when I was with my dad. And of course, it, it comes down to one day he he came into my room and he was like, I had a bag ready to go. My The lady who lived with us, our housekeeper, she packed the bag for me. I had no clue. Had my disc man on with like the, the yellow disc man with my headphones. And this is 91. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, where are we going? We get to the airport. I didn't even look where we were going. We get on the plane. We're flying first class. I got my headphones on. Didn't listen. Get off. We're, we land in D.C. Next thing you know, a black car comes and picks us up. And about 20 minutes later, we pull up to the White House. And I'm like, yo, what is going on here? So next thing you know, about 10 minutes after that, I'm in the Oval Office sitting there. My dad and I by ourselves. I'm walking around. My dad's like, get over here. Like, don't don't touch anything. Like, don't touch anything. And out of that door that you always see in all the movies opens up and it's George H.W. Bush. And he's like, Walter. And I'm like, holy cow, are you kidding me? And he's like, you must be Jared. He's like, let me show you around my house. So he takes me around the White House. We're walking around. And then next thing you know, he's like, it's like, whatever you want to eat for lunch, you can have. And I'll never forget. I said, uh, pancakes and hot dogs. And my dad looked <laughs> at me like I was crazy. He was like, what are you talking about? There's actually a picture of us at the White House. If you search it, there is us outside and the president is showing us renovations that are going on at the White House. Well, we get on to Marine One, we fly to this golf course and we're playing golf and I'm driving around on the golf cart. I'm 11 years old and it starts to rain, but they're still out there playing golf. And the president jumps into my cart and says, young man, take me to my ball. So I did. It was <laughs> on the side of this elevated green. And as I go to drive on the side, the cart starts to slip and Secret Service grabs it, brings it down. And my dad's like, you're not driving anymore. And then <laughs> President Bush goes, Walter, let him drive. And let you know, like, it's either between my dad or the leader of the free world. And I end up driving again on the cart. And <laughs> Left there that night, went to Camp David and spent the night at Camp David, woke up, had breakfast with the president and came home. And just my dad and him talking sports and his knowledge, my dad's knowledge of all sports. That was the moment where I knew my dad wasn't just a, a football aficionado wow. and just a scholar, but that he he loved baseball. My dad was a huge Mets fan and like going back and forth. My dad was also a huge Knicks fan as well. So mm -hmm. just sitting there hearing them talk was pretty cool. That is so cool. Awesome story, Jared. That was awesome.